We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Another Friday here. We're back. Roto Grinders MLB Morning Grind. I am the Looch, and I'm here with the Chief Will Priest. And we're closing out the week with a banger of a Major League Baseball slate. I mean, the pitchers are loaded, the hitters are loaded. It's going to be a wild Friday. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Man, I am doing okay, man. Getting oof, more and more busy, I think, as we speak. Um, Wedding on the horizon, so many things happening. So, uh, definitely glad to come on and, and break this slate down with you, brother. Yeah, I mean, the pitching is just crazy. And, you know, you have Kevin Gaussman, Hunter Brown, Jesus Luzardo, and Browns against Oakland, Luzardo against the Angels, George Kirby against Pittsburgh, Shane Bieber, Max Scherzer, Chris Sale, Freddie Peralta. But the guy I didn't mention, your guy, Mitch Keller, Chief, finally getting that. 10k price tag and you've been watching him for a while yeah absolutely man um this is a guy i mean i've kind of been on keller since spring training um in the regular dfs world the the props world like you know he's a guy i've been tracking and i i think he's going to i think the if if nothing else they'll get adjusted to him in the props world for this start i'm assuming he's going to come in around six and a half in the strikeout department i haven't looked at it yet but that's my assumption based on the matchup he's been you know he started the season i think around four and a half he kind of stabilized it five and a half four and a half in certain spots against certain teams but i mean at least throughout this stretch this season he's proven to be an ace and so he's someone we will absolutely discuss on this slate for sure Let's just dive into it. We got a couple of 705 games, Texas and Baltimore. Two teams that, you know, if you're playing DFS, you're frequently using the bats on both of these sides this season. John Gray and Grayson Rodriguez both are in the low 8K range there. We'll start there. I feel like I know your answer, but do you have any interest in either of these pitchers on Friday? Uh, def- uh, so let me say this. John Gray has pitched better the last three games. So I don't think he's completely out of the question at that price. Um, you know, Grayson Rodriguez, he's kind of been a mixed bag. I'm, I'm probably more likely to fade Grayson and more likely to play John Gray. 
and most likely to possibly not play either. But I don't I don't think Gray's bad. So let, let me say I don't think he's bad. He's pitched a lot better recently. Um at least the past three games. Now I don't want to overlook the matchup because you know he pitched against Seattle, who strikes out against everybody, Oakland, who strikes out against everybody, and Colorado, who also strikes out a ton. It's you know, with, with certain bats. I mean, I think the lineup they trotted out there today, the bottom six of that lineup, I mean, seemed like everybody was 30, 40 percent in terms of the K department. And I know Garrett didn't have like some massive strikeout there. I think he only had three strikeouts. But the point is. He has not faced top-tier teams. Baltimore is going to be middle of the road. I'm probably more likely to fade him. I just want to see how he does against an offense that can actually really put up some points on him. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and I lean more of the bats in this game. And with such a big slate, you know, you should get some decent ownership on some talented hitters in a game like this. I mean, Texas has been really good this year. They've been a lot better at home. Uh, you know, Baltimore is tough up and down the lineup. Cedric Mullins had an off day on Thursday. I'm assuming we'll see him back in the lineup on Friday. Uh, but yeah. you know, Grayson Rodriguez, highly touted prospect. It's It's been tough sledding for him, you know, for the most part. And I, I think, you know, there there is a case to be made to maybe look at some mini stacks for Texas or maybe looking at some power bats uh, against Grayson Rodriguez on Friday. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's – that's that's the way to go. I, I think many stacks of both of these teams or two to three mans, um, both both sides should should have a couple guys that can kind of get off in this spot. Um, and look, long term, I do think Grayson Rodriguez is actually going to be good, and he he ha- he's been good in certain spots this season and bad in spots, and really that's what you expect from a young prospect. So. Um, you know, I, I think on both sides, like like for Texas, Seager should be fine. Um, you know, I, I've I've kind of looked into playing Jung some, but he's up to forty eight hundred. Like I was playing Jung more when he was in that thirty eight thirty nine hundred dollar range. Um, and with Texas being priced up, they are. It looks like they are expecting them to kind of score a few runs here, at least with the algorithm. So once again, I think just two to three mans for Texas, two to three mans for Baltimore uh, is the way to go. Yeah, I know this sounds like an easy answer, but I do like Corey Seager. Uh, I think you can one-off him, too. You're right, though. Grayson Rodriguez, 4.04 xFIP, 26% K rate, which is which is good underlying stuff. Although, you know, I'm looking at his, his metrics against lefties, 60% hard hit and uh, 288 ISO. So when the lefties are connecting, you know, the ball is going. So I think you can prioritize Seager. Uh, and Adolis, what a season Adolis Garcia is having. Is he like the best baseball player nobody talks about, Chief? The guy is mashing the ball. And he's been a bit more reverse splitsy the last couple of years. So I think I think we nailed it with the mini stack for the Rangers there. Yeah, absolutely. Baltimore side of things, I mean, I know you talked about John Gray. Uh, definitely pitching better lately. Can you make a case for any of these hitters? And, and you know, what would you do with them on Friday? Yeah, I, I can always make a case for Santander and Rutschman and, you know, Mullins if he plays, obviously. Um, you know, when you got quality bats, I, I don't ever mind those mini stats. Uh, I, I definitely think that's something that, you know, once again, I don't think we need to go five or four deep on Baltimore, but I think two to three is is the sweet spot for this team today. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Let's move on. Uh, to San Diego and New York. The Yankees.
Yankees are home. We have a Joe Musgrove, 7,500. Just really hasn't figured it out this year yet. 6.75 ERA. Uh, that is not an error. He's given up at least four earned in three of his last four starts. Uh, but it's Joe Musgrove, and we know he's talented. So he'll take on the Yankees on the road. Uh, and we have Randy Vasquez making his major league debut. Hasn't been great in AAA, 4.85 ERA in 42 innings. So maybe we see some offense in the Bronx, Chief. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, my assumption is for Vasquez, he's going to get handled with kid gloves. Uh, and by kick gloves, I mean, he, I, I don't think he goes past 80 pitches. That, that's just – it's the Yankees. If he gets in any type of trouble, I think they're going to be prepared to pull him. Uh, Musgrove – if Joe Musgrove was 7,500 last season, Luch, we'd probably have the lock button on him against the Yankees, even against the Yankees. Um, this year, not so much, but at 7,500, I think he's worth a shot. Like, if you look at – uh, the, the teams he's faced so far, Arizona, which is a pretty low strikeout team. Um, but he had six Ks against them, six Ks against Boston, which is also a fairly low strikeout team overall. Uh, but, you know, gave up runs to Boston, gave up runs to the Dodgers. It, like, that that all makes sense to me. Gave up runs to San Francisco. They strike out a ton, but they got a lot of power in that team. If you haven't looked at the numbers, you probably don't realize that. But San Francisco has a lot of power against writers on that team this season. So, I think Musgrove facing the Yankees who have some power, but also have strikeouts. If I'm mass multi-entering, I think I'm getting to Joe Musgrove. Yeah, I, I like both sides of that. If I'm multi-entering, I'd have a little bit of Musgrove, the price and the talent, you know, long-term talent. Um, been facing some tough offenses, giving up a 371 ISO to righties, striking out just 15% of righties. And we know the Yankees uh, are, are a lineup that can be full of them. So, uh, you know, long-term, I think we're both still on Joe, Joe Musgrove, but uh, I might want to pay to find out on both sides here tomorrow. What's up with Joe Musgrove? And and you're right. On the other side, Vasquez, probably super short leash. You know, the Padres, big-time ballpark upgrade uh, from their home venue. So I, I think there's a chance we, uh, you know, see these high-end hitters doing some damage against – what could be a bulk reliever type of game against Randy Vasquez in his major league debut? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think I, I think I one off or two to three man the Yankees. I think I full stack the Padres just because of the situation. Yankees bullpen is good. I get it. Don't get me wrong, but look, what if we get two to three home runs off Vasquez out of this deal? Like, I, I think we need to be stacking the Padres here. Yeah, no, I, I like that quite a bit. Uh, we'll move on to an interleague bout between Cleveland and St. Louis. Shane Bieber and Matthew Libertore. Shane Bieber, 9,200 on DK. Um, not striking out a ton of guys this season, but he's been pitching really well. Uh, and Libertore, young guy, actually came out of the bullpen in his last start, uh, but he'll make the start against Cleveland. He's super cheap, 7,100. I know that Cleveland doesn't strike out often. Um, but you know, the talent is really there with this kid. So uh, I don't hate considering him. Um, if you're not into Joe Musgrove, and you need some salary relief. I know the matchup's not great, uh, but I think you can uh, consider both of these pitchers. 
it just seems like the Cardinals, this is narrative but I, I feel like the Cardinals, you know, never show up when they should and always show up when they don't. So maybe they will show up against Bieber. I'm not sure. They they rolled out a really wonky lineup on Thursday afternoon. I'm sure you're well aware. Yeah, they uh, sat Goldie and Arenado and I mean they'll well, be fresh I mean, for tomorrow. Yeah, I think Juan Yepes was in the lineup too as well. I mean, it was yep. kind of half the everyday. They sat the old guys basically, the the elder statesmen, and just let the young guys play. And but we won't see that on this slate. I I, I can pretty much guarantee Arenado and and Goldie will be playing. But you know, you mentioned something interesting about Shane Bieber and the fact that Shane Bieber's pitched really well this season, but he's kind of turned into hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. A younger Adam Wainwright. The strikeout stuff isn't there, but man, he's just eating innings. It. It's been amazing, really. I mean, I think we almost saw him go a complete game with under 100 pitches. Or I, I think he's done that already. Like, this is what we've seen from Bieber. And so his value to me is now in the fact that he will get some strikeouts, but he has the opportunity to go deeper. So he's got kind of this Sandy Alcantara deep yep. in a leash, but less strikeouts. So he probably gets four four strikeouts, five max in this spot, but he may go eight innings. Not saying he will. St. Louis is a tough team um, yeah. for, for, for out, so I, I get it. Like He's more likely to probably go six innings than eight innings in this game. But my point still stands. Like, um, you know, a guy that's just been eating, eating a ton of innings this season without the strikeouts in – I have to expect something similar here. I, if it's a, a different slate, a smaller, a smaller slate, you know, maybe I roll the dice, but you know, I, the the cards are are talented, don't strike out a ton. I just feel like if I'm playing large field tournaments, there's going to be ceiling games elsewhere, probably um, at this price. On the flip side, yeah, to each their own. Spend a thousand more and get way more upside on this slate at pitcher. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and on the flip side, Libertore, you know, he was pitching really well in AAA Memphis before he got the call. Uh, 3.13 ERA in 46 innings, struck out 56 bats. Um, you know, didn't have a great uh, stint with the Cardinals, cup of coffee with the Cardinals last year. But uh, he's pitched well, uh, and, and he's pitched well so far in his brief, you know, 2023 with the big club. So I don't hate, you know, him doing a little better than surviving at 7,100 potentially here. Uh, do you have any interest in him? And then talk to me about the bats in this game, if you're looking that way. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate Libertori as a, a a slightly cheap option. I, I feel like I have um, someone else that's going to be probably like, I, I hate using the term lock button, but as close to the cheap lock button is, that we're going to see. I, I'm almost positive um, this guy's going to kind of have like massive ownership. If not, I'd be shocked. You probably know who I'm talking about. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, I don't hate Libertori. In terms of the bats, um, if I was, I don't really want to play any bats in this game. Like Shane Bieber, once again, not getting the strikeouts, but he's just limiting. Run, like you're not running the score up on him. He's eating innings. Um, so I don't don't really want to get involved with St. Louis and then Cleveland. You know, Jose Ramirez is always live for a home run, but, but who else is hitting home runs on this team? Like it's just this isn't a high powered offense. 
I mean, look, they got Kwan leading off. Like, there's some guys that aren't going to strike out, but all in all, this offense is hashtag not good, not, and that's not a that's not a hot take. It's just the truth. Um, so, I'm staying away from the bats in this game. Yeah, uh, you're talking me into Libertoria even more as a podcast goes on here. So, su- super interesting here. We'll move on for time purposes. Atlanta and Philly. Taiwan Walker is just like the epitome of an average pitcher. And sometimes you're on the wrong side of them. Uh, but I kind of like the bats on both sides here. You have Taiwan Walker, you have Jared Schuster, another highly touted guy from the Braves system who just hasn't figured it out yet at the pro level. Hasn't pitched a lot yet uh, in the bigs, but I think we can make a case to talk some bats in this game. I figured I'd fast forward that a little bit. I, I just, I can't fathom you pitching Tywan Walker or Jared Schuster no, tomorrow. No, no, neither of those guys are applicable to any lineups that I would be creating. Uh, definitely like the Philly offense, definitely like the Atlanta offense. Um, you know, in terms of Philly, like, so Bryce Harper is now priced up. And, I mean, he's, he's been pretty much getting hit. Um, the home runs will come. The big fantasy performances will come. Same thing for, for Trey. Like, you know, Trey – Trey's K rate is actually a lot higher than I expected expected it to be so far this season, but the upside's there. Like he didn't suddenly forget how to hit a baseball or forget how to steal bases. Like, you know, it, it, it's coming. And so um, my, my assumption is mid-June, some of these high-powered offenses are going to take off. It gets a little warmer, gets juices are flowing, they're feeling better. Uh, that, that's my assumption. So, some of these offenses that may have been behind but have the big names, they're going to take off, I think, mid-June, warmer weather, so forth. Uh, so, uh, But once again, I, I think stacking up both of these teams between Philly and Atlanta is uh, is the way to go. I mean, Castellanos, 4,800, Schwarber. Philly's an expensive team up top, you know, but I still think you can make it work. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, Taiwan Walker, a little unpredictable. I like the idea of maybe, you know, a three-man stack with some of these powerful Braves. Uh, since it seems like he never gets absolutely shelled, like 10, 12 run, but he does give up some power uh, from time to time. It also feels like he gets worse as the year goes on. So maybe we don't start, you know, targeting Taiwan Walker yet. It was really good in the first half last year and absolutely atrocious in the second half. But I do think you can get some pretty good ownership on these Braves uh, like you could the last couple of days. The Braves have been going kind of overlooked lately. Uh, for Schuster, and the reason why I want to like full stack the Phillies or play them however you want, but I'd prefer to full stack him is I, I know the kid's got some talent. Yeah, he has not been good as a pro, striking out less than 27% of hitters. So not only is there a ton of contact being made, he's walking 14% of batters. So not only are these Phillies going to have opportunities, they're going to have opportunities with runners on. So, uh, I, I think the Phillies are in another good spot. And, you know, the usual suspects, you can play pretty much anyone in these Phillies lineups. You know, it's Bryson Stott's pretty pretty expensive for a guy who doesn't have a ton of power. So maybe I only play Bryson Stott and, and Sosa in stacks. But like you said, you know, you mentioned some of these guys like Castellanos. So you could one-off him and play him in many stacks, the whole nine. But uh, both sides, both bats in these games, uh, I think you should have serious interest in them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Atlanta side, pretty much the same thing. Like, I don't really want to tell you to play. What I will say is Atlanta does have the cheat bats at the bottom. So with Ozuna and Rosario, as long as they both crack the lineup, like that really does give you extreme salary relief. 
I'm still I'm shocked actually that neither one of these guys have like cracked you know 3k yet because both have gone through like these little mini stretches already where they were just making insane contact. Ozuna was you know started hitting home runs and it kind of hasn't slowed down. Like he he's he's hit a home run what I think three or four in the last five or six games or seven games, eight games, whatever it is, and they're still so cheap. Yeah, and don't look now. Uh, Austin Riley on FanDuel, only 3K, starting to get hot a little bit. Homered on Thursday. Got to yeah. like that at the hot corner, Austin Riley. Oh, yeah. Rosario's been a pleasant surprise, too. You're absolutely right. He's been playing pretty well. So we like the bats in that game, and uh, we'll move on. Unless you have anything else, feel free to interrupt me. If not, I will nope. keep on keeping on here. Uh, two offenses that aren't exactly as high-powered. Washington and Kansas City, but you know, if you catch the Royals on the right day, you know, you can find some nice stacks there, and boy, or if you catch Washington on the right day, actually, you'll never catch Washington on the right day, they're always the wrong day, just don't play Washington this season jeez, yeah you know, but I'm okay with them because of their prices for for many Oh, no, I know, I'm I'm just kidding but you're right, it's so hard to full stack them and justify the ceiling you know, like is half the lineup going to hit home runs? No, but boy, oh boy, look at the pitchers in this one, Chief. We got Patrick Corbin and Jordan Lyles. So uh, you have to you – know, first first of all, since we're talking about players, you know, uh, finding their stride, Patrick Corbin has been serviceable the last month and a half. Uh, it is what it is. I can't believe I said those words. But, you know, we know righties usually get to him, and we know Jordan Lyles gives up a lot of fly balls and a lot of home runs. So first of all – you know, are we debunking Patrick Corbin? You know, fact or fiction here? Do you have any interest in either oh, of these listen, pitchers? Listen, I'm, I'm not buying into this this hoopla of Patrick Corbin. Here's what I see from Patrick Corbin, despite the runs not being there. Six hits against Detroit. Eight hits against the Mets. Eight hits against San Francisco. Three against Chicago. Seven against Pittsburgh. Seven against Minnesota. Five against Cleveland. Seven. Against, listen, the, the runs are coming, so I'm not really – I'm not worried about it with Corbin. I mean, so if I was going to side with one side of this game, it'd obviously be Kansas City side, just because of the things we talked about with Washington. And I've told this story on on uh, the morning run at least three times this season. Well, guess what, folks, you're going to hear it again. This is this was my wake up Washington moment when I was like, okay, this offense is is so bad. Uh, three men on, no outs. They scored zero runs. Like, you couldn't get a sack fly out of that opportunity. Like, think about that, Luch. Three men on, no, you got to get at least a sack fly out of that. You can't just end the inning with zero. Washington's been atrocious. Not playing either one of these pitchers. Definitely like the Kansas City offense today. Not playing a single soul from Washington. Yeah, I, I like. I like I like the idea of maybe mini stacks on both these teams. I like the righties on Kansas City. It goes, I mean, you can play Bobby Witt and Sal Perez on any slate, but you're getting a bad lefty who pitches to contact. Give, give me some Sal Perez, give me some Bobby Witt. Not as much as interested in the lefties in the Kansas City. Um, I don't hate Manessis. I don't hate CJ Abrams. But again, I'm not going crazy here, and I'm not really trying to pay, you know, Lane Thomas money. 4,200 today. I'm, I'm okay. I played some of these cheap pieces on Washington, and I like Kansas City righties. That's all I got. You want me to keep moving on here? 
Milwaukee at home against San Francisco. 6,300 for Alex Wood. Boy of the Mighty have fallen. Uh, Freddie Peralta, 8,800. Nice little uh, bounce back game for the most part against Tampa Bay after a tough bout against St. Louis where he was horrendous. You like Peralta or Wood today at all, Chief? Yeah, listen, Wood is the guy I was talking about. Milwaukee, they've been really bad. Lose, you know this, really bad against left-handed pitching. What so I bad. what I like about yeah, what I like about Wood is the price. He's sixty three hundred. What I don't like is where the pitch count has been the past two starts. And so he's he's only he hasn't made it five innings, and he's only been able to go mid seventies pitches last game. Now, what I will say is this: if he could scratch and claw his way to eighty five pitches in the spot, he should be able to clear five innings, and he might be able to pick up seven strikeouts. And that's not an exaggeration. That's how bad Milwaukee has been against lefties. Uh, Alex Wood is not elite, but he's. We're going to call him average Alex Wood. He went through that, you know, he went through that stretch with the Dodgers where he felt elite. Obviously went to Cincinnati. Now he's in San Francisco. Like he's a major league pitcher, but he's not like the top tier. That's the price, obviously. But in this particular matchup, I want to give him a bump because, I mean, he – he should be able to have his way with certain bats in this Milwaukee in this Milwaukee lineup. Same thing, kind of, in my opinion, for Freddie. Freddie's eighty eight hundred. Once again, I keep saying we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A lot of power in the San Francisco lineup, but the strikeouts are there as well. Freddie at 8800 I think that's a fair price for where his upside can be. He could get the 25 between 25 and 30 fantasy points in this spot. And I don't think anybody in the industry would go, wow, how did Freddie do that? Like, no one would be surprised. And I feel that, I actually feel that same way about Alex Wood. Like, if he goes to 85 pitches, he could very well go six innings, depending on how efficient he is. So I, I, I do like these two pitches today. Yeah, Peralta's been a little bit better at home this year, too, and I think historically, so – uh, that helps. Uh, he his ownership will will be kept in check for sure because he's been all over the map for the most part. He got pummeled against St. Louis two turns ago. Uh, but I'm with you. Uh, there and are he probably should have gotten pummeled by St. Louis because St. Louis. I mean, listen, they're 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 a low key, fairly high contact team. So 
I'll give them a pass for the St. Louis start. Like, once St. Louis started turning a corner, they're, they're going to be hard to, to pitch against. This team should oh, not present that type of, uh, of of brick wall for him. He should be able to pick up some Ks here. I agree, and the price is fair. So I think he's, he's a really nice tournament option. Um, let's see, Peralta. I mean, pretty respectable swinging strike stuff. Last two games, it was 9%. Um, he had a couple of spike games there with a 25% swinging strike rate against Colorado, posted 19 against Detroit. He had 11% swinging strike rate against Boston, and then that was a tough team. So we know the stuff's there for Peralta. And like you said, uh, you know, San Fran is just a, a team you want both sides of when you multi-enter because we know the talents there, you know the powers there, but they do K a lot. Um, it's tough on, on a, you know, just talking about the bats now, it's tough on this size of a slate against a, a player of the a pitcher of the Freddie Peralta caliber uh, to want to play a ton of San Fran because, you know, the pinch risk hit is extremely high and, you know, an extra two, three at bats in your stack collectively could go a long way in large field tournaments. So um, I don't think I'm going to play the Freddie Peralta gets pummeled by San Fran card today. And, you know, as for Milwaukee, uh, you know, I, I, I could, I could see getting both sides of that. They've been so bad against lefties. You're right. And if Alex Wood can get you 15 points and claws way to 15 points at, at almost 6K, you're in business because then you can do whatever else you want with SP1 and probably get whatever stack you want as well. That being said, you know, if it's a three inning outing for Alex Wood um, and you're into the bullpen early, uh, you could, you could, you know, find some luck with Milwaukee. And that's more of a large field tournament look. I don't think anyone's really going to play Milwaukee on Friday, do you? For the most part, no, I don't think so. I, 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 th- I actually think and that's what I was saying. I think Wood is going to end up being the de facto sort of cheap pitcher that people gravitate towards because I don't Milwaukee striking out hasn't snuck up on anyone. Like the industry is well aware that this team is just atrocious against left-handed pitching so far this season. Let's go to an AL pitching matchup between Kevin Gaussman and Louis Varlin talking about a guy getting a price tag bump 8,500 for Louis on a big slate against Toronto. I love it. I love it. Um, He's posted some pretty fair, you know, fantasy point outputs Uh, pretty good for a young kid. Do I want to pay 8,500 for him against Toronto on this slate? Probably not. I can just pay a little bit more and get Freddie Peralta who has some more K upside. Um, and on the flip side, you get Kevin Gaussman, who has been fantastic this year. And there are some Ks in that lineup. And if I if I if I saw correctly earlier, I think Carlos Correa as as predictable 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 Carlos Correa dealing with foot problems. Who saw that coming? So I'm not sure if he'll be available. <laughs> but talk to me about the pitchers in this one. I, I mean, who would have thought he Carlos Correa would have problems with his feet after the nine million physicals he failed, Chief? Not me. I had no idea. Listen, I it. listen. It's certain pitchers, certain hitters that we know are going to be hurt. Seems like every year. Byron Buxton also makes that list secretly with an ankle or a foot almost every year. Um, here's what I will say. I'm, I'm not as high on Farland today just because of the Toronto matchup. I think we have enough pitching to where I don't think Varland's about to go out and have, like, an extremely dominating performance. I think he'll have a good performance. 
And I don't need just good. Like if I had to decide between him and Freddie, and I, I think you said it perfectly, I'd probably side with Peralta today over Varlin. Um, Kevin Gaussman and Keller are going to have me splitting hairs. I can tell you that right now. But here's what I will say. Kevin Gaussman, I like Major League Baseball pitchers that throw the splitter because it's typically hard to hit. Guys don't see it as much. So and if you think about a lot of your splitter pitchers, like typically they're, they're high strikeout guys. Kevin Gaussman is, is, is under that that splitter umbrella. And uh, so I, I think at 10-3, facing Minnesota at Minnesota, another team that's for strike, striking out a ton, and they're going to be getting a pitch that they don't see as much. I think I think this is a big, big, big opportunity for Gaussman to come out and, and, and push himself to possibly the double-digit double Ks today. I really like Kevin Gaussman in this spot. Yeah, I agree with you. And if Varlin was a little bit cheaper, I'd be super interesting. Here's his swinging strike stuff. 14%, 16%, 12%, 16%, 7%. So, uh, and his chase rates are pretty respectable. So, Louis Varlin might not be the exact right day to, to, to roster him on Friday, but five days from now, look for him because he's, he's making guys – Miss, that's for sure. Uh, bats in this game, you know, it's I can't say I'm rushing to full stack either side, but we know there is talent on both teams. So if you're you know max entering, I'm okay with maybe one offing or or you know two man stacking some of these Toronto bats. You know, Joey Gallo, Jekyll and Hyde, four caves or two home runs. Where do you can get out of Joey Gallo? And, and of course, Byron Buxton you're is gonna get both better. actually. You could. <laughs> very well could. So I don't. I, I'm not rushing a full stack either of these teams, but I do think you know you have elite hitters in Toronto and a couple on Minnesota. I think you have to keep some of them in the player pool, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm with you. Just one offs. I'm probably more likely to keep more Toronto players as a one off than Minnesota today. But look, I, I totally get it. Here's a fun one: Max Scherzer at Coors Field. Connor Siebold at Coors Field. I don't know what's more fun. Anyway. Siebold's been pretty bad. Like, like let, me, let me just say this. Outside of the fantasy stuff, if the Mets can't get going against Connor Siebold today, just, just pack it up. Just pack it in. Like, this, this, is, this has got to be their jump-off spot. Like, yeah, and I know the game's at Coors, which means I'm going to fade it. I just don't play Coors. Not the bats. I will take pictures from time to time. Um, and Matt Scherzer isn't. So here's here's the difference this season, Luke. We're not seeing Matt Scherzer from the days of old. We're seeing a much lesser version of Matt Scherzer. And I don't like it. I, I don't like the fact that Matt Scherzer has maxed out at pretty much six strikeouts this year, this year, like we haven't seen the seven, eight, nine K K games that we're used to seeing, and, and I don't like it. Like Father Time is undefeated, and I think yeah. Father Time is catching up with Max, and he's still a great pitcher, but I don't like it. It's sad. I, it's just sad. Yeah. Because yeah. I, oh. I mean, doesn't it also feel like Shane Bieber's? 39, 40 years old, Max Scherzer. <laughs> and and Bieber, no, like, I know, but just Bieber's velocity, you know, concerns from year to year. It, it, he's 27. 
He's 27, and I feel like Bieber kind of reinvented himself already because he kind of had well, to, right? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, so man, and I know. Oh, well, we're actually probably pretty doing pretty good on time today. We only have a couple more games. I, I'll say this: I, I listened to an an, uh, an interview on ESPN, obviously, uh, with one of the guys that kind of spearheaded a lot of the rule changes, and he was just talking about the fact that you know a lot of pitchers now don't value the you know, first pitch sinker to get a quick out anymore, right? To be able to just kind of be efficient and eat through innings. And that's that's really interesting because I feel like Shane Bieber um, has kind of become that guy where, you know, you use some of these ground ball pitches, cutters, sinkers, to just kind of see if you can get, get those quick outs. And that to me, that, that's almost like a lost art because what he was talking about was the fact that, you know, a lot of guys now, they want to strike out guys. It's either a strikeout or a home run and kind of no in-between. And so the new rule changes are hopefully going to going to change some of that. So I'm saying all that to say, Matt Scherzer, we love you, buddy, but he's not the same. And so the question is, can he reinvent himself? That's the question because Scherzer has typically been a high strikeout guy and a fly ball guy. Can he reinvent himself and become more Max Wayne, uh, uh, more Wainwright, where he can still get some strikeouts, but is going to have to lean on the ground ball pitching game? I don't know. Max, Max feels too much like a dog to me. Like he's a guy that wants to come out and burn and blow it past people. Like he's a flamethrower. Can he put the ego aside? Right? Can he put the ego aside? Yes. Yeah. And but he's a gamer in that set. You're absolutely right. But in the same sense, the guy wants to win. So, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, well see. Well, they should win today. And, and that's the bigger point of this. Mets, go out and do your job and like pound Connor Seabold and, and, and take it home. I know. You know what? I, I wrote the uh, top stacks article today and a, a little minor victory lap. I, I don't know if I hit it exactly right, but I, I, I said, hey, Mets mini stack. I know the wind's blowing way in. Weather Edge doesn't like it for home runs. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't a huge impact to, to total runs scored. I, I can't believe Carrasco survived, but I, I just – I figured him and Hendricks, one of them would really struggle. I can't believe Kyle Hendricks is still pitching, by the way. But I kind of wish the Mets kind of just wet the bed today so maybe their ownership would be a little bit lower than what I would hope it would be on Friday. Yeah. Uh, but they got 10 runs and counting, and here they come in cores. And just to backtrack slightly – doesn't feel like a spot I want to go with Max Scherzer. I know Colorado's not great against righties. You know, we're not getting the, the swinging stuff from, from Max that we've seen. And at his price on this slate, you know, I'd pro- probably rather just go a little higher or go a little lower and get Freddie Peralta, honestly. And uh, what are your thoughts about Scherzer on Friday? Yeah, I, I, see, that's the thing, man. I'm, I know we kind of talked about this game a little bit more than the others, but I think it's important – this is why you have to look at the data because if you don't, you see Max Scherzer's 9,200 and you just click the button because his name is Max Scherzer. What you don't understand is this isn't 28, 29, 30% K rate Max Scherzer. And at 9,200, look, could Max go out and dominate this team tomorrow? Absolutely. Do I think he's worth it if you, you're like in, you know, serious mass multi-entry tournament stuff? Probably. If I'm in single entry, three entry max, though, I'm not playing max today. 
That's fair. That's fair. And if you're in the car or you're at the gym or you're working and you haven't looked at the data yet, 5.25 XFIP, striking out a ton of righties, uh, but only 15% of lefties, and he's walking 12% of lefties. He's just getting in trouble. He's just getting in trouble. Yeah. And you get runners on and you make one oopsie pitch and then it's for nothing, you know? So yeah. he might he might be in a situation where he's surviving five, you know, four and a half, five innings, walks a couple lefties, throws an oopsie, and uh, you know, he gives up three, four and runs, and that's just not gonna do it at nine K. So I'm with you. On the other side, I don't have anything nice to say about Connor Siebold at this point. He's yeah, he's been bad. We're not playing Connor bad. Siebold. And like it's hard to play the guessing game. Really big slate, though. But do you think the Mets' ownership is going to be out of control on this slate? There's so many teams, but they're in a fantastic spot. I don't think they'll be out of control, but I think the co- – so here's what I think. I think the combination of Connor Siebold and the Mets being in course is going to give them the ownership. So I feel like it's a combination today. Not just because they're in course, but because it's Connor Siebold, I think they're going to get some ownership – once again, I don't play cores unless it's a pitcher. I, I probably will sprinkle in some Max Scherzer, but all, other than that, I'm going to let the bats sit where they are and be perfectly fine if the Mets go off today because I expect them to go off based on the pitch. Jesus Luzardo and Reed Detmers, 9.30 Eastern game, Miami and L.A. And, man, as we're just walking through the slate, there are a ton of high-variance pitchers under 8K I want to take a whack at. Reed Detmers might be one of them, right? Looked really good last start. Um, struck out 12 twins. So maybe maybe you take that into consideration when you look at Kevin Gaussman, too. Because there are some cases. <laughs> I'm that telling you, he's got, he's got a shot. Um, what I will say is Detmers against Miami, to me, isn't the same as Detmers against Minnesota. Miami actually... Believe it or not, they're one of those Jekyll and Hyde teams this year. There are a couple of Jekyll and Hyde teams, and if you haven't been paying attention, you just may not know. Like Houston struggled against righties, but against lefties, forget it. Uh, Oakland has struggled against righties, but against lefties, kind of forget it. Um, who else is out there that's been kind of hanging around like that? You're, you're absolutely hey, they right. They just, they just have guys in the lineup, Guriel, Fortes, yeah. and uh, – yeah. Um, they're gonna make you uh, pay. You, you can't figure you can't. that have they have elite K rates against lefties. So it's yeah, like, it's it's amazing. Um, and and even and even uh, Arias, who's a lefty, he's only at seventeen percent. Last I checked, and that was just like he's not striking out a ton. Now look, that also doesn't mean they're scoring twenty runs, but they're giving pitchers a hard time. Like when guys aren't striking out, they're typically tough outs. Five, six, seven, eight pitch at bats. Those things add up. And if they happen to work in that that 11, 12, 13 pitch at bat, my goodness, like it's like laboring out there. You just you just mentally you're just ready to get that guy out. So I say all that to say I like Detmers. I think the price is fair for where his upside is given the situation. Yeah, we might not know. I mean, Arias might be out of the lineup, which would be a big boost to him because that guy I feel like never strikes out. Um, on the flip side, Jesus Lazardo, ninety five hundred. I I love this kid as a pitcher. We haven't really seen a ceiling game since like the first week of April, though. Striking out some guys here and there. Um, and the Angels are much better against left handed pitchers than right handers, and uh, that's what we're getting out of Luzardo. 
What are your thoughts on Luzardo? I mean, the A's, uh, the Angels, the other team with the A, the Angels, you know, have some K's in that lineup for sure. But I think Luzardo's kind of in a unique spot here. It's almost like, oh, we haven't seen it in two months, we'll never have a ceiling game again. I, I don't know if that's the case. Like, like I'd rather, I'd rather have a couple of sprinkles of Luzardo than Scherzer in the same price. That's for sure. I, I get it. Here's what I will say, and this is something I looked up. I think last week I, I talked about it on a show. Miami Marlins pitchers, Lazardo, Sandy Alcantara, uh, Edward Cabrera, th- this group of guys, they're like night and day home in a way. It's, it's, I, I, I don't know. And, and really, Sandy's been this way almost just the whole time. Like he's been that way about, about the whole time. And so now you've got Lazardo and Cabrera kind of in this mix, and they're kind of trending in the same direction. Um, my point is, I like Lazardo. I definitely think he's worth some sprinkles, but I'm not going overboard because I know he's not as good on the road as he is at home. And it, it's so interesting with these young Miami pitchers because they're all about in the same boat. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I wish I could find some numbers on like how teams perform the the playing a game the day after leaving Coors Field. Offensively, I'm I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious if the altitude or one thing or another has any effect. Yeah, on I, I I do think it affects them. I did read an article before, and gosh, I I probably I wish I had it saved. But basically, going in the course and coming out, like they do have, there is like a, they do need an adjustment, right? Like a one or a one game adjustment or so. Like you come in in the course, the ball moves a little bit differently when you leave out. It moves a little bit differently again. So. If I can find the article, I'll shoot it to you like after the show or something, just so you have it for a reference. But they do, they do the ball does move differently for them, so they see it differently. Yeah, I um I guess I don't have like extreme interest in, in either offense. I, I would be I would be prone to maybe having a little bit of both sides of Detmers if you're multi-entering. Gotta love some of these Angels righties, you know. Um and of course Otani's just matchup proof. Uh, you playing any bats in this game? You playing on it? it? It would just be one-offs. Like, for instance, Jorge Soler is like the ultimate one-off in this spot against Detmers. A guy that, that walks guys a lot, you know, could have a location issue. Soler, and correct me if I'm wrong, Luce, I, I think the man had like a 700 ISO or something against right-handed pitching this, left-handed pitching this. It, it's somewhere up there. Like, it's it's astronomical. So much power. Um, yes, and he has like a 65% fly ball rate or something. Yeah, yeah. and a 50% hard hit rate. Yeah, it's it's up there. Like, I I, I think him as a one-off. Jorge Soler may be the ultimate one-off today. He was the ultimate one-off yesterday against Kyle Freeland. I don't think it came into fruition, but you just – you can't go off one day. You got to take the data season long. And listen, man, he's been mashing lefty so far this year. Yeah, I mean, control's just been Detmer's Achilles heel. I mean, twenty in 2022, he walked 38 batters, and uh, 38 righties in 99 innings against righties. I'm looking at fan graphs data. So, uh, you know, Detmer's is a guy who could let a couple runners on, and then, boom, Solaire, three-run shot. So I'm with you on, you know, maybe one-offing Solaire, or if anybody has any kind of power on Miami outside of him, maybe De La Cruz here or there. But Solaire's the play. Uh, anything else this game? Should we keep going? Couple games left on the slate. Nah, man, let's keep on pushing. All right. 
Well, we have a James Caprillion sighting. He's projected to pitch against Houston. What could go wrong? Hunter Brown's on the other side there, 9,900. And, you know, I, I think I – what did I call him today? The A's are a pitcher's punching bag. You just you <laughs> line up any pitcher against Oakland and you throw him in your face. The pitching punching bag of Major League Baseball, the Oakland Athletics. And, God, you got to feel for Kotze and the A's and whatever's going on with that organization right now. But let's start with the pitchers. I'm assuming you have no interest in Caprillion. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cat, leave Brown. him on the show. Hunter Brown, 9,900. <laughs> he definitely gets played. Uh, he actually shocked me in his, this last outing that he had. I Look, it was Oakland, and I knew that. But I, I still wasn't expecting nine strikeouts. I mean, he, you know, when, when a guy has nine strikeout upside, e- even against any team, they still have to get them, right? Like, right. We, we talk about the greatness of these guys, but – you know, sometimes, like, even when Matt Scherzer was in his heyday, he could face the worst team in the league and pick up five or six strikeouts. Like, they could just be on that day. So anytime anyone can can pick up almost double digits, I mean, it's incredible. And I think Hunter Brown has a really good chance to be one of the top scoring pitchers on the day, and I believe he will be. I, I'd have Hunter Brown top five today on the pitcher list in terms of scoring. And my personal – so top five overall in terms of – um. What, what I would consider like upper tier value. Like he's got a stuff on this slate because of the matchup. If, if that makes any sense, like, you know, he's cheaper than 10 K by a hundred bucks. Um, I, I, I like Hunter Brown. All that to say, I like Hunter Brown. Just playing devil's advocate. Cause I love Hunter Brown too, uh, for obvious reasons. Any concerns about this same Oakland team seeing him five days ago, or are they just that bad that it doesn't matter? I'm willing to give him a pass. If he was – if his K rate was around 17%, I'd pass. But, you know, this is a guy, he's 26 27%. I think he's around 26 if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I, I'm in on it. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, Houston, I think, will be pretty popular against Caprillion. You know, outside of the Coors game, you know, just – Anytime Caprillion's on the bump, listen, dating back to 2022, Caprillion has a 5.87 XFIP, striking out 18% of batters, walking 10% of batters, giving up a almost a 40% hard hit rate, over a 40% fly ball rate. I don't know what more uh, you're looking for, what boxes you need to check when you're targeting stacks against this guy. So, and the bullpen is the league worth. So, you know, it, the poor A's, man. I, yeah. God, just total mess here. Got to like Houston up and down that order. Yeah, don't don't hate it at all. And Houston's a team I've faded a lot more this season because Altuve's out or has been out. Brantley's been out. I, I am expecting Altuve back. He was just, you know, left the game for a sickness. And he should help the top of this order for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't hate Houston in this fight against Cap. But if they if they laid a donut or laid a stinker, I also wouldn't be surprised. They've been awful against writers, like awful. Yeah, uh, but, uh, you know, I love the big bats uh, in that lineup, especially uh, Alvarez and Kyle Tucker as lefties. Two games left on the docket, Boston and Arizona. Two team, two lineups that don't strike out a lot, as you mentioned earlier in the show. Yeah. Uh, we have Chris Sale, who, boy, we're seeing some vintage Chris Sale stuff. You know, out of all the guys we talked about that have needed to reinvent themselves, you 
just thought after seeing some of Chris Sale last year and a couple starts this season that he would have had to been one of those guys in that conversation. He's been missing bats all year for the most part. Got hit really hard a couple times. But other than that, I mean, I, listen, I don't love the Arizona matchup because they, they're actually a pretty high contact team, as you know. But Sale's one of those guys who is is kind of, I don't want to say matchup proof because he could get hit. He he does have a couple of blow up Robbie Ray esque innings here or there, but he's nine K and you know, the, the industry knows Arizona doesn't strike out a lot. And I don't think sales ownership is going to be out of control. So especially with Hunter Brown against Oakland and Kevin Gossman uh, against the twins who have some K's Chris sales, really interesting for tournaments, even against Arizona. It's, it's a, it's a tough matchup and it's, it's hard to like say that confidently because Arizona is scrappy good, but I kind of like Chris sale for large field GPPs chief. Would you talk me out of that? Yeah, I think you made a good par- comparison there with Chris Ray, aka Robbie Sale, aka Chris Sale. Uh, I, I, I think you, I think you made a, a, a really good, good comparison there, and I would have to agree with you. And as a result, I do think you know that's the right move, like sprinkling him in in tournaments. You know, in the other side of this game with Mister Fat, like forget it. He gets no love. On the morning grind today, it's going to be a complete fade. Boston let me down the other night, but I have to go right back to the well. Such a highly touted pitching prospect, you know, having trouble keeping the ball on the ground uh, in the bigs. That being said, I'm assuming you you might like some Boston bats here. They don't strike out a ton, uh, as you mentioned. Um, you know what? I I think I definitely have some interest in some of these Red Sox, especially the lefties. I mean, they have such talented lefties. Anytime you get a righty on the mound, uh, you got to love it. You know, obviously, Boston, much better hitting team at home. Fenway, good venue. But I do like some of these Red Sox on Friday. Yes, sir. And on DraftKings, I mean, they're priced up so much. This is where Alex Wood, I think, his value is going to come into play. When you're trying to get Boston where – Devers is 5,800. Yoshida is 5,600. Verdugo, 5,100. Like, Boston is really priced up here. Like, I mean, all-time priced up. And the only way you're going to play them, you got to take some cheap pitchers. And, and so and the question then becomes, is it worth it to stack against Brandon Fatt and hope that they, they really utterly destroy him early? Or do you just fade this team and go in a different direction? I'm inclined to not take full stacks in everything, but also have some one-offs, two-offs, three-offs, mini stacks, of course. But that's where I am with this team. Sailing large field tournaments, no Brandon Fat. Um, Boston, give me two and three minutes mostly. Uh, And then on the Arizona side, I think it would just be one-offs. Like Moreno and Mart Moreno and Marte have been fine. Like just just one off the low K rate, you know, high contact guys, and hope they get you the points that you need. I, I like the one off because you know what, Chris Sale very much so might give up a solo shot or two, or or maybe worse. Who knows? But one off, you know, Marte Walker uh, Guriel having a resurgence uh, this season as well, uh, and obviously you know Walker. Uh, but I do think Chris Sale very interesting. Uh, sneaky upside there at 9K. Might go overlooked. You might look at his ERA over five and be like, ugh, Chris Sale. But 
he's missing bats. You know, can he avoid that blow up inning is is usually the big question. And it's always an adrenaline rush when you roster Chris Sale or Robbie Ray. Uh, he might be smooth sailing for four innings and then you run to the bathroom and come back and the guy's got the bases loaded and you're like, what the hell just happened? What, what just happened? And, and getting pulled from the game. <laughs> yeah. Or he loads the bases. Like and the side. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So uh, interesting game there. I think we're on the same page. Uh, lastly, I'll give you the floor because we have a late night hammer. We have your boy, Mitch Keller, who is finally expensive. He is. Yeah. 10-1 on DraftKings. And on the other side, he had George Kirby. Kind of just a, a mouth-watering matchup there as well against Pittsburgh. 9,300. We know he doesn't you know, typically strike out a lot of guys, but the last you know five or six starts, he's, he's struck out enough batters that if he cruises through the game with his pinpoint accuracy, that he's done some damage. And you know, he's played Boston at Fenway, had 23 DraftKings points. 34 against Texas, you know, he was respectably, you know, decent at Atlanta. There is uh, some some real cases to be made to roster either one of these pitchers in this matchup, Chief. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now, now clearly I'm going to side with Keller over Kirby if I had to choose, like, Seattle, man. I mean, I've seen – so you, you talk about the pitcher's punching bag in terms of the Oakland Athletics. Seattle has been a pitcher's punching bag in their own right against right-handed pitching. Like, they've been – loose they've been terrible and so Keller's definitely going to be my, my top spin of the day on both sides no matter what um this this young man should be able to get the job done and then Kirby um you know I'm not sure how uh how well this spot is going to be for him but at 9300 I'm willing to roll the dice I'll, I'll just say that like we've seen we've seen upside from him his most likely outcome is probably between 15 and 20 fantasy points. His unlikely outcome is probably 28 to 30 points. And his reasonable outcome is probably just 20. And so if that's the case, he doesn't – I think this is a floor play, but I don't think – I don't. you can't play him and the, and the high upside guy today and feel good about your lineups, I don't think. So uh, Kirby's getting – he's probably going to get the fade for me. Overall, even over the I don't hate that take. I don't. Gaussman, Mitch Keller, Hunter Brown. How do you rank them? I would probably go Keller because he's facing Seattle. Um, I did probably go Hunter Brown because he's facing Oakland. And then I'd go Gaussman. Like, it, to me, that would be my order. But they're still all, like, fairly equal. And, and at the end of it all, they all have their flaws, you know? Like, Mitch Keller typically, you know, runs the pitch count up sometimes a little bit too early. Um, Gaussman has done the same thing. Uh, Hunter Brown, he's done the same thing. Like, sometimes he just doesn't get strikeouts for three innings. It's crazy. So, um all have flaws, but all are. I mean, these are really good spots for these kids. What's so impressive about Mitch Keller is like he dropped forty plus at Baltimore, right? Yes. And then twenty three DK points against Arizona, clean game, super respectable. You know, pitched pretty well against Tampa. Another ceiling game against the Rockies at home. Ten uh, Ks against the Dodgers earlier this year. You know, almost thirty against Boston at Fenway, his second start of the year. So. 
you know, I don't know what the ownership's going to look like. I just feel like people are going to see the pitcher's punching bag in Oakland and, and maybe decide with Hunter Brown, uh, gun to head kind of thing on Friday. I like Keller. I'm with you. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Keller. Yeah, man. Keller's been, been really good this season. So I, I like him a ton. All right. So we like Keller uh, at the high, high end of things there. Who's your favorite pitcher? Let's drop down a little bit and let's just say, you know, between 9,300 and 8K in that middle range there. If you had to pick one guy, who would it be? Mm. Uh, 9,300 to 8K. Your George Kirby territory. Yep. Um,. Out of that group, it's probably most likely Freddie Peralta. That's fair. It, it's him or Chris Sale for me. And uh, yeah, and, and that, you know me, man. I, I'm more of a matchup based player, so uh, that that would be my take on it. Yeah, I you know I mean Peralta's had some tough sledding, right? Mets, Cardinals. At San Diego, Boston, Detroit, at Colorado, Dodgers, St. Louis, Tampa Bay. I mean, that's a gauntlet. That's like if, if we're talking strength of schedule in terms of strikeouts and, and offense, like that's one percent. That's that's a one percent strength of schedule for Pretty Peralta. So, uh, you know, the Giants are no slouch either. But in terms of wiggle room and strikeout rates, <laughs> I'm with you. How about um anyone? You know, give me some cheapies. We talked about Alex Wood, uh, sixty three hundred. I don't think either of us are on anybody lower than him. Uh, Libertore is interesting. Uh, Reed Detmers. Are you still thinking Alex Wood at the end of this podcast? Yeah, Alex Wood. Um, I probably still sprinkle with some Detmers just because it's Miami. Um, and then once again, I don't hate John Gray. I don't think I make it there. Then Musgrove at 75 is probably Wood and Musgrove, I think, are probably my top two on the cheap end. Cool. Yeah, I'm with you on, on some Alex Wood shares too, but sounds like we're on the same page. Keep an eye on Roto Grinders Friday. You're going to want to look at our premium stuff and check out some projected ownerships and see exactly where Core Slate shakes out, see where Mitch Keller lands. Hopefully, not as many people are on him. I, I hope more people will roster Hunter Brown. Not that it's a terrible matchup. I just think Mitch Keller has a pretty serious shot of scoring Hunter Brown tomorrow, and we'll see how that shakes out for your boys here on the morning grind. Chief, anything else before we get out of here? Negative, my brother. I am good. It's been a great time hanging out with you, man, always, and uh, I guess I'll see you again real soon. Hey, but you'll see the people tomorrow at 1030 Eastern, right? Tell everybody what you got going on at RG. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, take your pick on um, a daily show that we're doing just to kind of try and go over some of the uh, pr- uh, plays on the Pick'em sites. It's been really fun. Thanks, everybody, for supporting, joining, liking, subscribing, hopping in the chat, live on, in the live comments. It's been incredible. And so uh, really grateful to, to get that up off the ground and uh, come hang out anytime. We will catch you next week in the morning, grind. For my guy, Will Priester, I'm the Luch, Justin Carlucci. Have a good weekend and good luck, everybody.